What's up? I'm kind of shaking around already over here. Oh, I was, I was, uh, I was tapping my feet to the drum beat there. Nice. I, uh, I had to fix my camera at the last second there. Sorry. I probably gave some people some, uh, some motion sickness. How you doing, Mike? I'm Doug. This is Pat's chat. I'm good. How are you? Doing well. Uh, as I mentioned, I'm Doug Kide, joined as always by Michael Hurley. I've got a cord on my headphones. Couldn't find my AirPods. I'm downstairs. Things are. Things are moving in a grooving tonight. I'm a cord guy. I don't know. It's just, you know, it's there. You know, it's connected. Like you hardwired into your computer straight through your ears. I have something to say about Bluetooth is it's the most magical technology, but it also sucks and like never makes sense. And it's always makes me swear and it's always frustrating. So like shout out to wires, keeping it real. Yeah. I mean, with AirPods, especially there's like when I'm on the phone with AirPods, there's about a 40% chance that it's going to work. Mm. And I have like a 1% confidence that mm. someone's going to hear me because I don't know if you've ever been on the phone with someone with AirPods when they don't work. It sounds like they're like 50 feet underwater <laughs> and you're trying to hear them. Uh, yeah. Okay. But let's talk about the Patriots. Um, nothing. First, concrete. No, first, first, oh, yeah, yeah, I, yeah, yeah, just, yes. I think we should thank everyone for listening to our podcast. Cause I think, um, well, anyone listening now already is listening, but, presuming you've listened before i want to say thank you because i think that's cool um there was a chance we did this and got no listeners but the number is a non-zero number and it's a positive number so thanks to all of those positive members thank you that's a good shout off the top yeah uh listenership is increasing there's a lot of listeners to this podcast so thank you to the many 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 listeners of the podcast i appreciate you as well if you appreciate us Throw a review or something, right? Review? Yeah. We're up to a 4.9. I don't know if you noticed that. We were at a 4.8. We're up to a 4.9. Climbing. Climbing. Hard to get much higher than that, but I think we should aim for it. <laughs> we we could probably get a 5 eventually. But, um, yeah, thank you to everyone. Uh, I'll just mention off the top, too. Go to thrivefantasy.com, promo code Doug. Cool stuff happens. Just trust us on that one. Um, but, yeah, to the Patriots, nothing concrete has happened since we last spoke to you. Yes. But – wheels are in motion um that the patriots are going to wind up with an offensive coordinator eventually i don't know if you know interviews have actually taken place at this point i from basically what i'm hearing i don't know i doesn't seem like it um but i think tom kern was the one who reported that what it would be an upset if bill o'brien wasn't the patriots offensive coordinator i reached out to someone about that today as well um and one source, I basically said, like, is this Bill O'Brien thing real? And the answer was yes, but we're, you know, the Patriots are still going to go through a full search for their offensive coordinator. But in the end, it probably leads back to Bill O'Brien. But I do, do genuinely believe the Patriots will do a full search. They'll interview everyone. The candidates will be real. Uh, but I don't know, as we've mentioned before, and as everyone's mentioned dating back to this time last year, it just kind of makes too much sense for Bill O'Brien to just come in and be the the cleanest addition to the staff. The Patriots could run things the way they want to. I have a question. Do you think Matt Patricia will be interviewed for the job? Do you think he's in the on the list of candidates? I like to think that um, Matt Patricia and Joe Judge will be interviewed at the same time. They'll be wearing tuxedos. One will be sitting directly behind the other. Just a real, real scene out of Step Brothers. Uh, Hello, no. Miss Lady. 
<laughs> uh, no, I, I, I don't think so. What do you think? I don't think so because that's sort of the whole impetus to it. But I don't know. Like, I'm still stuck on last year, I guess. And maybe it's like, get over it, move on. Last year's last year. No use to cry over spilt milk. But why was that the move last year? And why is this the move this year? It's just more about last year than this year. And, and I guess I don't know if they were the right choice a year ago, what changed from Bill Belichick's perspective. I mean, I would imagine the awful way the, that the offense performed did. But, I mean, that being said, uh, it wasn't like the league's worst offense. I think it was that close. It was close. It was close, but it, it wasn't like the absolute worst in the NFL. And it, like, if there was a case to be made for Matt Patricia or Joe Judge being interviewed for this position this year, I think it would be like, okay, we'd never done that before. There was Can't like some. Worse. There's there was like some semblance of offensive performance, and chances are we'll improve at this with another year under our belts. I don't personally subscribe to that theory. I think that the Patriots should bring in someone who immediately knows what they're doing and has the potential to make this a top 10 offense in the NFL. But like, that would be the thought process behind it, right? Like can't go worse. We're going to be better at our jobs. And like, maybe we'll figure this out in a year two. I, I think the, the interesting part is Bill O'Brien's kind of been that guy for, I don't know, 12 months. He's been sort of the guy that everyone points to as if McDaniels leaves, he could come in. Oh, well, he's got a year left at Alabama. So if if he, you know, finishes it out and is available, he'll be the guy, which is reasonable. I think that makes sense. I think he'd be good at it. It's just rare for the Patriots to do what we all expect them to do or what the obvious right. move is. That is very un and unpatriot-like. But I think in this case, they need to. I don't think they have the 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 luxury of being different. I think they tried that last year and it led to, to no issues. And I've mentioned it before. Okay. You hire Bill O'Brien. You got three to four more hires that you, you're going to have to make after that, because I think you need different position coaches to come in. And I have a visitor in my basement. What's up? We have a podcast interruptor. Um, <laughs> but I, I, I think you have multiple hirings that you have to make after Bill O'Brien, but that's why sort of the time crunch is on. Maybe more so because it's not like you have a full staff and he's going to come in and lead them. You have multiple pieces that are going to have to come in after Bill O'Brien. Right. And, uh, well, first of all, I, I guess, like, I'm somewhat surprised, I guess, at the level of confidence that the Patriots have that they can get Bill O'Brien. Because, like, I don't know. I mean, Joe Lombardi was just fired by the Chargers and they lost their mm -hmm. quarterbacks coach as well. So, like, I guess for Bill O'Brien, he'd probably prefer to be in New England since this is where he grew up and like this is the team that he was around and everything. But like with the Gerard Mayo news last week and leading into this week where I think that Gerard Mayo wants to stick around New England. And I think that, you know, one of the conversations that was probably had in order to continue to convince him to come back is like, yeah, you could be the next head coach. So you had mentioned before on a previous show, like why would Bill Belichick want to hire Bill O'Brien if Bill O'Brien could be the next head coach? It seems like at this point, like Bill O'Brien would be like third in line to, to mm. be the next head coach. Like it goes Belichick, then maybe Mayo, then Bill O'Brien. So I don't know. Like I guess I can understand from Bill O'Brien's perspective, wanting to return to New England, wanting to return underneath Bill Belichick, who he had success with, working with Mac Jones. They share, you know, some similarities with the Alabama offense and everything. But like, I don't know, just in a pure vacuum, 
I would much rather work with Justin Herbert, Mike Williams, Keenan Allen, Austin Eckler than like who the Patriots currently have on offense. And then, as you mentioned, also on staff as well. As a um, Massachusetts resident, I could say I also might prefer living in Southern California, just <laughs> yes. generally speaking. Right. Um, no, that's it's, it's a good point. And it's another luxury they don't have. Remember last year, we talked about this recently. The luxury or the thought was, well, we don't want Bill O'Brien to come in for a year and then go off and become a head coach somewhere and then max right. max up a, up a creek with his you know fourth offensive coordinator or whatever. Um, you don't have that this year. You kind of, if you can get him, you got to get him. But that's an interesting thought. I hadn't really thought about, I know they're kind of slow playing it. It seemed like they would have slow played it some more if not for the ownership involvement. But yeah, there, there will be other jobs out there. And I didn't really think of it from the succession or path to head coaching element. That's not existent here with what happened with Mayo in the past five days. So yeah, that's something to consider that it's up to what his, his dreams, goals and hopes are at this point of his career. I would imagine he liked being a head coach. Uh, He he was not just a head coach, but he ended up being the GM (laughs) and just sort of the everything in Houston. So I, I would imagine that, He's not done with that. Like, who's ever no. done with that when you're not necessarily bad at it? So something to consider, and maybe it's not the slam dunk that uh, the Patriots might want it to be. Yeah, and like I still, like I said, there's confidence that they believe it's going to get done and that it's going to happen and everything like that. So, like, I have to – I feel like I sort of have to share that confidence that it, that it could happen or that it is going to happen. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. It's just another element to consider. And – I think that Bill O'Brien, obviously the tenure in Houston didn't end particularly well, but I don't think he did anything in Houston beyond some of the GM decisions they made where a team wouldn't want to potentially hire him as a head coach again in the future. And it's been, I don't know, a few years now. I don't know. It's it's an interesting situation because I do think that if you do hire him, there is the possibility that if he's not the successor, that he could leave at some point. So as you mentioned, then there's a number of uh, different coaches that you have to bring in. And that leads me to, I think it was Scott Zolak, who was talking about it on 98.5, the sports hub, uh, said that Joe Judge will go from quarterbacks coach back to special teams. Cam Acord would be demoted to assistant special teams coach. And Matt Patricia would resume a role upstairs. I couldn't really tell like how concrete this was like reporting, things that Zolak had heard, like theorizing, whatever it is. But like on paper, that all seems to make sense, but it does leave you a hole at quarterbacks coach and at offensive line coach. And like, I don't know, based on what happened last year, like, do you really want Billy Yates to just be like, all right, you're getting the job, Billy. Like, I feel like if, if he had done it, if he had been doing a good job last year, the offensive line would have played better last year. Yeah. I mean, like, and I've said it before, I believe Bill O'Brien could handle the, um, quarterbacks coach yes. job along with OC, but right. I, I would still be eager to have an offensive line coach, bring higher one. I don't know. Cole Popovich left with the whole, remember those like vaccine speculation or whatever. When the mandate came, he was gone. I don't, I don't know. He's confirmed. It, I was very surprised that he didn't come back last year, but I guess that also could have just been Bill Belichick making an excuse to bring on Matt Patricia's, his offensive line coach, because I think Popovich was at like Troy State or something last year. Troy he's, University. He still is. Okay, yeah, he's at Troy as their offensive. His phone extension coach. there is three six eight two, according to the website. <laughs> so if you're on campus, just punch that in. You'll get right into Cole. 
Um, but I, just, I, I think the point is you're never going to get Dante Skarniecki again, but you can get right. guys who have coached the position and can coach the position and can simplify things because we've talked about it before. A lot of guys on that line had the worst years of their career. Uh, Isaiah Wynn and Trent Brown being you know, chief among them. I yeah. think Cole Strange as a rookie needed more guidance and help. Similar to the way we feel about evaluating Mac Jones and making concrete judgments is mm-hmm. how I feel about Cole Strange, where his offensive line coach was also running the offense, and both were being done by a guy that was not necessarily qualified for either spot. So right. I, I think that isn't a, a bad thing that you mentioned, that those vacancies are there, because that means you're probably going to hire people that can do it. And and mm-hmm. I don't know. What's your, what's your philosophy on quarterbacks, Coach? Because I remember, and I, I don't know if you were one of the people – but I remember when Jerry Shaplinsky left the Patriots and went to Miami, it was like, oof, big loss for the Patriots. I'm like, woof, their quarterback's Tom Brady. Probably not a big <laughs> loss. So I don't know if you're Jared Goff or somebody, or Mac Jones maybe, that quarterback coach is probably more important than if you're – I guess my my uh, philosophy toward it was skewed by Tom Brady being the quarterback here for so long that I don't know – like, is it a big deal if O'Brien does double duty? I don't think so. I don't think so. And so with Shaplinsky, like, I also think he was, like, the assistant quarterbacks coach, which, like, <sighs> I guess does. Big loss. It does probably matter more. It, it matters less if your quarterback is Tom Brady. I think it matters more if the actual quarterbacks coach is also the offensive coordinator. I think that yeah. you probably have more duties as assistant quarterbacks coach if Josh McDaniels is the offensive coordinator and essentially the head coach of the offense. I think this was something else that Tom Curran was saying where if Bill O'Brien gets hired, then it would be like, all right, Bill, you're controlling the offense, like you're the head coach of the offense or whatever. But then for me personally, like if Gerard Mayo is going to get like an assistant head coach title and him and Steve Belichick did a great job with the defense last year. And if Bill O'Brien's a head coach of the offense, like what does Bill Belichick do at that point? So like my larger point here is if Bill O'Brien has that much control over the offense, maybe you don't want him specifically working with the quarterbacks that much. But I also, I don't know, I have some doubts that that would be the system in place. I feel like Bill Belichick wouldn't just be like, all right, I trust you with the offense. I trust you guys with the defense. I'm going to go like, I don't know. And then like, if you got Joe judge as your special teams coach, there's probably not a lot of thought that's being put into that either. I, I just, I think that ultimately I think that Bill O'Brien could be the quarterback's coach because I think that Bill Belichick could focus more on offense with the trust that Gerard Mayo and Steve Belichick could focus on defense. I think what you're describing is that we need to hire John C. McGinley to show up at a Bill Belichick press conference and ask, what would you say you do here <laughs> next minicamp? I think that would be great. No, um, all I had was that joke. I didn't have really a response, uh, but it was That's pretty fair. good. I thought it was, it was a good a joke. Fair, yeah, no, it was, it was um, a very good joke. Pop culture, pop, modern yeah. reference, Office Space yeah. came out in, what, 2002, maybe? Yeah, really modern. Um, well, Mike Judge is always well, making films. It came out in high school, so that was like, what, four years ago, right? Right, I'm 20, so <laughs> right, yeah, I was like 16, 15 yeah. when it came out. Yeah. So yeah, pretty, pretty, re- pretty relevant. But I, I think again, that's that's fine. At Belichick being 71, I don't think it's a bad thing to have to delegate. Yeah, and he did it for so long. It's not even an age thing. He did it with McDaniel's. My my thought, but then, when- but he was like, I think that he had more control over the defense then. 
Like he was True, the defensive head coach. Like, McDaniel's the offensive head coach. But when Patricia was the defensive coordinator, yeah, was that's firmly fair. entrenched. Bill would still take a knee, put his back to the field while McDaniel's ran the offense. I, right. I think that yeah. you're you're not going to have that level of trust with O'Brien stepping in. I don't think right. Bill's going to turn his back and take a knee and take out the whiteboard. But it's pretty close considering he's done it here before, considering he's done it in a lot of places and, and had some fairly good success in some pretty significant programs. So I think uh, ultimately that's a good thing. That's uh, well, as far as I was looking at Bill O'Brien's former staffs in Houston um, and Mike Devlin was the Texans, Texans offensive line coach. People have probably already done this, but I'm going to do it right now too. From 2015 to 2020, it appears as though he was out of coaching in 2021 and he was the Ravens assistant offensive line coach last season. So presumably Mike Devlin would probably be available to become the Patriots offensive line coach next year. I don't know if you specifically um, want to look at the Texans. No. Well, yes. I have to ask though, any relation to James? I don't believe so, but he <sighs> did go to Iowa. So So basically. So basically he's he already a under... fullback position, at least. <laughs> yes. Um, but I don't know, like you'd probably rather have Mike Devlin, regardless of how the Texans offensive line performed from 2015 to 2020 than anyone that was coaching the Patriots offensive line last year. Right. Yes. Um, answered your question. Yes. And then Tim Kelly, I think is a candidate to become the Titans offensive coordinator this upcoming season. He was Bill O'Brien's. Offensive coordinator, tight ends coach, quarterbacks coach, quality control coach. Like, I don't know. Like, maybe I'm just kind of looking at these Texan staffs to see, like, who else could come along with Bill O'Brien. And maybe that's not the most, like, exact scientific way to do it because these guys have other jobs. Uh, but I don't know. Like, not to get into a different subject here, but Nick Cayley seems like, based on reports from some of the national insiders, seems likely that he's going to leave either for an offensive coordinator position or like just go somewhere else. Usually I would say like, yeah, Nick Cayley's like a respected coach and everything like that, but maybe not the biggest loss. But then if you're suddenly having to fill quarterbacks, coach, tight ends, coach and offensive line coach, then it's just a slightly bigger issue. Yeah, a little, I was thinking about that because we know going into last year, he was regarded as a potential candidate to be the offensive play caller to have a significant role. Uh, they liked his growth. They liked his potential. They blocked him from going to the Raiders, which I think told you that they had high hopes for him. Since they let but everyone on, else go there? Yes. But on the flip side, if they're sort of okay with him going to the Jets, then I don't right. think you can light your hair on fire and run around the room because the Patriots seem to be okay with that. And, and I think that speaks probably more to a complete reset on that side of the ball where it maybe his contract's up from what we understand. And it's probably it's over like, like he, it, whatever it may right. be here, he's going to look for something established and something where he can grow and, and improve. And frankly, after what happened last year, I don't think you would blame him. And I don't think the Patriots are surprised by that. Yeah. And I also just feel like, I don't know, like honestly, 
yes, Bill Belichick is the guy who decided to hand over the offensive reins to Matt Patricia and and, and Joe he Judge. Did? So like, so, when? yeah. So this this was wild. Was I this can't believe you missed this. Yeah. Uh, Were there any been... podcast about it? <laughs> well, this is not a Matt Patricia podcast, so I understand why you wouldn't know this. Yeah, I'd never heard of this. Also, right. not a Joe Judge podcast. Um, but so like, my 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 point here is like usually you trust bill belichick's decisions that like last year if he looked at nick cayley and said like okay i'd rather have matt patricia and joe judge as my offensive masterminds matt patricia is my offensive play caller over nick cayley then like i don't know like maybe he wasn't ready maybe he's not going to be like this genius offensive play caller maybe, but then but, you could still the make the case decision. that right was still bad yeah. so so maybe I, there was some bad judgment yeah, there Maybe and it was it's, a wrong judgment. But then also I would say that like if Bill Belichick isn't now saying like kind of your to your point, like we need to keep Nick Kelly in this building, I made a mistake, he's going to be our offensive coordinator, then like that's another sign that I don't know. I, I don't know. He's a nice guy, I like Nick Kelly. I don't want this to become like an anti Nick Kelly thing or anything like no, that. No, I no, it's but and I, I do think it's ultimately a loss if you're now having to search for four offensive coaches maybe more than that because it's offensive coordinator quarterbacks coach offensive line coach and tight ends coach my cat is hitting the table that my computer is on that's why i'm waving around again but sure uh is. yeah um yeah no what do you think about the fact that the patriots tight end production has been a massive disappointment since investing a ton of money in two tight ends because oh i think it's great i don't know yeah no yeah i think it's no but i don't know that the tight ends coach, like when Rob Gronkowski was an all pro in Nick Cayley's first season as tight ends coach, I don't think that was because of Nick Cayley right. with well, all due respect. I think it was with the greatest tight end ever potentially uh, playing the position and playing it well at the peak of his powers. So didn't deserve all the credit for that. Probably doesn't deserve all the blame here, but it's undeniable when you just look at the production, it's a production business. Is that a factor in the Patriots souring on on a coach that they had high hopes for i think there's reason to believe that might have been the case i don't know i mean there's just so many factors because then you go okay well is it the tight ends coach fault when cam right. newton's the quarterback and he can't throw the ball yeah. you know he can't throw screens and he can't throw five yard passes threw it okay to the sidelines like 10 12 yards decent intermediate passer couldn't throw the short ones uh i, I don't think like there's so many variables along the way. Then you have a rookie quarterback, and then you have Matt Patricia calling plays that I think that would be kind of unfair if they came to that conclusion, but it is a production business, and it's not always fair. I'd also say, yeah, I think, like, you also have to put a percent on, like, all right, how much credit are you specifically giving the position coach? And under what circumstances would you even give the position coach credit? Because, like, if you're stripping away credit when Rob Gronkowski is the tight end, like, I think that's fair to be, like, well, he's got the best tight end in the world. Of course, of course, he's going to be an all pro. I also think that, like in 2020, when the tight ends are Ryan Izzo and um, oh, no, not Dalton Keene. Was he there already? Was that 2020? Draft? Yeah, Dalton Keene was drafted that year. Oh, Matt Lacoste, Matt Lacoste. Devin Osiasi, Matt Lacoste. I think Eric Tomlinson made an appearance that year. That's like, awesome. I think that at that point, you have to also say, like, all right, well, maybe that wasn't his fault that they didn't get production. But I'll, I mean, I would also make the point that. The Patriots invested two third-round picks in tight ends in Dalton Keene and Devin Asiasi. You can quibble with whether or not they were worth those picks, but like they amounted to nothing in New England. I, they probably yes. caught what like 
seven passes combined over the two seasons that they were here. They only lasted two seasons. So I don't know. I think it's like very specific situations that you can give a position coach a lot of credit for a player's performance. Like like when Jacoby Myers was an undrafted free agent who like turned into something. I think you hmm. could like give a wide receivers coach credit for that. Is that Chad like, O'Shea or is he gone? I oh, have, he was gone. 2019, Joe Judge. Congratulations, wide receivers coach. So Joe, Joe Judge. Judge. There we go. Excellent. Give him Oof. some credit for that. We will get to judge Nikhil later, Harry. But... Nikhil Harry, maybe not. The tide rises, the tide falls. Fellow <laughs> yes. once wrote. Um, on Kaylee, I think it's more about things we wouldn't know, things that are in the meeting room, things that are in the right. game plan sessions, because the fear would be that he ends up being Brian Dayball, who was the tight ends coach in New England from 2013 to 16. Again, right. a very cush job when number 87 was in the room. Yes, but. He was there, and he was about the same age. He was probably late 30s, early 40s. He's you know late 40s now. So Kaylee, I think, is 39, 40. So probably a similar point of their careers. And he went from tight ends coach. I'm not where did he go exactly after leaving here? He went to oh Alabama and ran that for a year, and then well, then went to Buffalo in 2018 and developed Josh Allen. And now he's leading the Giants to playoff wins in year one. So. The fear, I guess, in letting Nick Cayley walk out the door is he goes to the Jets and becomes that guy. Is that going to happen? Only they have a good read on. We are just throwing darts at it, which is fun. I like it. I think that's a good overall point. Um, Nothing's a perfect comparison, but like Brian Dable had been an offensive coordinator in Cleveland and in New York, I believe, before he returned Um, to New England. Okay, so Miami and Cleveland. And Kansas City. Yeah, he had been like a so he had been a three time offensive coordinator and basically done nothing in those three stops. Uh-huh. They had bad they had bad offenses. So on one hand, you could be like, all right, well, like, yeah, it's fine that they let him go because he might not have been that offensive coordinator in waiting anyway, based on what he had done previously. But you could also make the point that like he actually had play calling experience. He actually had offensive coordinator experience. Nick Cayley, I believe, was like he was like a quality control coach. Who then become a became a tight ends coach slash fullback like he he kind of came out of no he he came from nothing to become mm-hmm. a tight ends coach and didn't progress beyond that point in New England so no I think that that would be the fear um, but I don't know I think that if you hire Bill O'Brien then ultimately like you'd rather have the known commodity of Bill O'Brien than like the unknown I hope this doesn't screw us and letting yeah. Nick Kelly leave yeah and plus what's your offer to Nick Kelly. Stay here. Wait till we interview people. We'll see what happens. We'll see where you fit in. I think, you know, if you can find a more secure place that wants you, you're going to go there. Yeah, definitely. Um, One other coach, Sean Ryan, currently the quarterback's coach of the Carolina Panthers. He was a wide receivers coach and a quarterback's coach for the Texans under Bill O'Brien. Seems like he might have, I don't know, gotten fired, something like that. But just, just, I'm just throwing out periodically names to keep in mind if Bill O'Brien does come on as pitching something coordinator. Fun fact about Sean Ryan is if you are in Massachusetts inside the belt of Interstate 95, there are at least seven Sean Ryans within five miles of you at all times. So just hire a different one. Just get yeah. a different Sean Ryan? There's plenty. I mean, you could have a different one every week. I don't know. There's there's just it's, – it's a very common name in these parts. So just something to keep in mind. He's from uh, Hudson Falls, New York. Went to Hudson Falls High School. So, uh, yeah. Appropriately He's, named oh, high school. You know what? Breaking news. 2006, he was the running backs coach and recruiting coordinator of Harvard. So he was also a graduate assistant at Boston College. Uh, so he has spent some time in the uh, 
the the 95 495 uh inside that belt there you go in in, in new england um joe judge joe judge um since we're talking about patriots coaches already first of all i did want to talk a little bit about like him potentially becoming the special teams coach like on paper that makes a ton of sense the patriots special teams was very bad last year but like it's kind of weird if Cam Acord sticks around and gets demoted, right? Isn't that just kind of kind strange? Kind of. But again, it's a performance business, and the special teams have been awful, undeniably right. so. It's really up to Cam and Cam Acord. And can he handle the demotion? Is it a, a shot to his ego that he's got to say, if you demote me, I'll quit or fire me instead? I don't know. I mean, that's that's an individual assessment that's an individual feeling and if he objectively looks at his body of work and realizes it wasn't good enough i don't think there's shame in being demoted under a guy who has been good at that job right who left because because he became a head coach and And then was good at it was good at special teams coach so it's not like they're just demoting you and bringing and bringing in people for interviews right it's bringing in a known commodity in this system so and a guy that you've previously served under i think that that makes it less awkward yeah and it's a hit to the ego and the career and all that, but what are the other options? You know, coming right. off those performances, I don't know how many teams are lining up to hire you. Uh, you want to talk about a guy that came out of nowhere. And I like Cam Acord. Like, he knows a lot of things. You could talk to him about the spin on a football for for 16 hours, and, and he would not tire of it. But his his background prior to this, I'm, I'm going to get the exact uh, – CV, as they call it across the pond, because it's it's pretty incredible prior to coming to the Patriots. Now, if the Internet wants to kick on, here we go. So he was at Southern Mississippi as a special teams graduate assistant slash linebackers coach back in 2010-11. In 2012, still at Southern Miss, was an offensive graduate assistant slash quarterbacks. 2013 to 14, now he's at Southwest Mississippi Community College from 2013 to 2017 where he had the jobs of special teams coordinator, wide receivers, tight ends, recruiting coordinator, special teams coordinator, pass game coordinator, quarterbacks coach, running backs coach, tight ends coach, recruit. He did everything for Southwest Mississippi Community College from 2013 to 2017. And after serving in those roles for Southwest Mississippi Community College in 2017, he joined the reigning AFC champion New England (laughs) Patriots as the assistant special teams coach for two years before taking the reins on that job in 2020. That is an incredible football story and yeah i don't think they're lining up to hire him if after the last couple years am i insane that he was like about to be a head coach somewhere or something i I feel like mississippi state i mean mississippi community college i'm sure he did everything else i i think like he was gonna be the head coach or he's gonna be the offense he was gonna be like something and then the patriots called and he was like yeah no i'll leave to go to the nfl at this point um talk about a fish maybe Talk about a fish out of water, also, Cam Acord. Like, like moving to New England. There's not like a more southern human being, I think, within the Patriots yeah. organization than Cam Acord. Um, but no, I it's a good point. Like, I don't think that, first of all, there's not like no one from the Patriots staff is going to get hired away as a head coach this year. So like he can't follow I someone your to Can I interrupt you? Their special teams coach. Yeah. I, I gotta interrupt you. Um Southwest chooses Acord as head football coach. Now, what is Southwest? We're not probably, entirely sure. Probably the community college you were previously mentioning, right? I guess they just go by Southwest when the Daily Leader writes about them. But in yes. March 2022, excuse me, March 22nd of 2018, he was tabbed 
as the head football coach, but the Patriots were like, no, 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 no. We need you to work under Joe Judge and, and get the punt team out there. I wonder what I wonder what the pay is like as a community college head coach versus like the lowest man on a NFL special teams totem pole. Like, do you, think interesting... took a, do you think he took a took a pay cut to come to New England? It was probably it was a smart move, I think, but still. Um, I don't know. Didn't Kevin Duffy write a story on those guys and their salaries and all that and their <laughs> yeah. workloads uh, a few years ago? It was one of those stories. Where, oh, that's good, but it's not a lot. You know, no. just because it's the NFL doesn't mean you right. make a lot when you enter, and especially with the background of you know, like Bill O'Brien will make some pretty good money. Yeah, uh, coming from the Southwest Mississippi Community College where you had nine different roles probably wasn't a huge pay bump. If anything, I don't know. It's a good question. Well, I think he made a good decision. He became a special teams coordinator. I'm not sure if he's going to, he won a he's Super still Bowl. young too. He, he won a, he got a he, Super Bowl ring. I, I don't know if all of the issues with special teams were like on Cam Acord individually. I think that Bill Belichick probably could have given him a better punter at some point this season. Um, you think maybe. so? Not a Michael Polardi podcast. Um, <laughs> Still he stepped, not a Michael Polardi podcast. He stepped down from the job uh, two weeks after getting it. He's, you know, sorry, I'm going to go with the Patriots. So, uh, Southwest President Dr. Steve Bishop said the search for new head coach will begin immediately, and I, I think they found a good one down there. <laughs> I'm sure they did at Southwest, the Southwest <gasps> Bears, maybe Southwest Mississippi Community College Bears. I, God bless not, him. Not to. Uh like go down this path too far but what's the, is there's like a tyler hughes on the patriot staff too i think he's like an uh, offensive assistant or something like that have you checked out his cv uh before let's see uh i got judge on one page i'm gonna slide over to hughes oh it's very small so it says uh he he became an offensive assistant in 2020 and that's where his career started so he was the head coach at bountiful high school in utah um in 2018 and 2019 prior to that he spent three seasons as the head coach of division two minnow state in north dakota Mm -hmm. um i recall looking up the record of bountiful high school in utah and at minnow state in north dakota and it not being especially impressive i just like tyler hughes at some point someone's gonna write the tyler hughes story of like how the hell did bill pelichick find this guy and I think it's going to be a fun one. Maybe Kevin Duffy can come out of retirement and do that one. Um, unfortunately, Jeff Saturday uh, is probably going to be replaced by Tyler Hughes once <laughs> once Jim Irsay gets a load of this because he was at nine years at Snow College uh, in Ephraim. Oh, yeah, then there was Snow Utah. College too. Yeah, Head coach for two years, uh, OC quarterbacks coach for six years, wide receivers and tight ends coach for a year. He was 20-4 and four at Snow, so egg on your face, Doug. Uh, oh, whatever wow. happened at Minot or Bountiful High School doesn't really matter because he was a winner at Snow. Is but, Snow like uh, a what, – what, what level Snow? doesn't really matter. It's a good one. <laughs> it's a member of the NJCAA. Is that junior college, I take it? Yeah, I the believe that would be junior, National Junior, junior college. college Association yeah. of Athletics. Anyways, um, Joe Judge. I think, back to the topic at hand, yeah. it was a tough week for Joe Judge mm-hmm. for – the obvious reasons and the Giants winning that playoff game, the Giants being so good one year removed from his firing mm-hmm. isn't good. And I want to be careful because we tend to get too like personal and mean, and I don't think that's the point of it. I think it was bizarre when the Giants hired him, given his yeah. lack of coaching 
offense or defense. He had one year as a receivers coach, which happened to be the year everyone said Tom Brady was washed up and old because he had something like 24 touchdowns and the, the receiving core was bad. Mm-hmm. Um, it wasn't all Joe Judge's and the receivers' fault. But the point is it was the year that everyone said Tom Brady was cooked. And it's the one year, if you look at passer rating, that Brady was under 100 in like a yeah. nine-year span. <laughs> like yeah. from 2014 to 2020, probably this year too, I probably 2022. I mean, sorry, 2021. Brady's passer rating was up at like 100. And that year it was like 89. So um, the hiring of him in New York was – probably a poor move there's this like yeah. goal and hope for every team well john john harbaugh coached special teams they coach parts of of offense and defense so they're in it, it, yeah but it still has to make sense and i thought that was a bit much but for for dayball to go in there and, and be so good and for daniel jones i i did the numbers today do you want the numbers now doug i love the numbers I love numbers. I've got your numbers of. I'll try to simplify it for audio purposes because they don't translate as well. I'll just go. I thought you were gonna say for me. I thought you were gonna call me dumb. (laughs) No. So, Joe Judge. I mean, Daniel Jones now has two seasons without Joe Judge, and he had two seasons with Joe Judge. Mm -hmm. He had a ninety point one rating in thirty nine touchdowns in two seasons without Joe Judge. In the two seasons with Joe Judge, it was an eighty two point four rating and twenty one touchdowns. So it was eighteen fewer touchdowns. And his his rating dropped seven point seven percent. He's also rushed for seven touchdowns in the two years without him. Sorry, nine touchdowns, uh, and he only had three touchdowns in the two years with him. So he's even a better runner. And it it translates to, to Mac, it translates to Mac Jones, who threw twenty two touchdowns without Joe Judge and threw fourteen with him, and had a ninety two point five rating without Joe Judge and had an eighty four point eight rating with him. Magically, both of those numbers are seven point seven apart. Mac Jones and, and Daniel Jones with and without Joe Judge. So I think on the plus side, it's a positive for those that want to believe Mac Jones still has a future in the league. Daniel Jones kind of is that story. He's the right. most not that Joe Judge was coaching him there. That was actually Jerry Shaplinsky was the quarterback's coach and Jason Garrett, uh, who I don't think we all highly respect as an mm. offensive play caller. Right. But Joe Judge was the quarterback. Daniel Jones was the franchise guy, the number six overall pick. They were deeply connected, and Judge got the worst out of him. So I think if you're looking for a reason to give Mac another chance, a reason to believe that this year wasn't all on him, Daniel Jones is that guy. But all that being said, wrapping it up, bad weekend for Joe Judge, I think. Yeah, I also think, like, with Daniel Jones, I I think Brian Dable deserves a lot of credit. I think that, one, as you said, not a great look for Joe Judge. I'm curious to see how sustainable this is for Daniel Jones this season. Um, I was looking at some numbers. I think it was like pickable pass rate or whatever it was. Mm. Um, and he had one of the lowest percentages of pickable passes that actually turned into interceptions, mm. which tells like you. A, and it's like a shot percentage in hockey. It's like when, when someone has. 50 shots and 40 go in, they're due for a long slump. Yeah, where it's like, all right, maybe defenders were dropping a lot of Daniel Jones footballs or like it It, it wasn't necessarily a situation where like balls were careening off of Giants wide receivers' hands and falling for interceptions. Well, I don't know. I would, I'm, I'm just curious to see what way, happens though, here. Like, because it's not like he lit it up. It's not like he was a statistical darling by any means. He had 15 touchdowns. but He, only he had, had terrible wide receivers though too. Very bad, yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. But I think it was more about being in control and running the offense. Yeah. And obviously the running. He had, what, 
700 yards this year? Is I, yeah. Am I wrong about that? He had 708 yards this year and seven touchdowns, which is damn good. Um, I think it's more about maximizing the player. I don't think Daniel Jones is a great player, but he's a hell of a lot better with Brian Dayball compared to how he was with Joe Judge. Again, not in the same role. So I, I, right. I just think that it has to be a factor. Um, and for all the talk about Mac losing his cool a few times this year, you almost have to be like, wow, it's incredible he made it to December without snapping like that, given the, the situation they had. Um, not the most ideal situation for a young quarterback. So I think if you want to feel positive, do it. And maybe you, the Giants might go out there and win again. Who knows? The, like, I'll tell you what, the seven and a half they're getting is going to be tough to give up. That is for a team that always covers. I, I kind of love that, the points. But the point is, uh, they, they, there can be coaching matter. Look at look at uh, Trevor Lawrence. Year to year, with good coaching and bad coaching, it's it's a different player. So I, I don't want to – I mean, it's a Patriots podcast, so that's why I'm focusing on the Mac Jones angle. For sure. Of things can get better quickly, in a hurry. Even if – I mean, Daniel Jones was left for dead on the side of the road. See you later. Wasn't picked – his fifth-year option wasn't picked up. The Giants looked like they were moving on, but they kind of knew, like, they didn't give him a fair shake. Now I don't know what they'll do. He won't make $22 million, but he might be the quarterback next year. He he could make $22 million. I don't know what's going to happen there. I, but I, I always thought it was kind of funny how, like, Daniel Jones plays in the biggest market in the United States. And, like, year after year after year, it seemed like there was just no pressure on him. Like, no one ever had any expectations for Daniel Jones. I think, like, this year might actually be the one where, like, coming off the season, if he stays with the Giants this year, there could actually be, like, high expectations for Daniel Jones, and there might actually be some pressure on him. Uh, a quick update on Tyler Hughes. Uh, since you tried to clown me and call me fake news, you cited his Snow College head coaching record. Well, Mike, at Mino State, in three seasons, he was 5-28 and 28 as head coach. <laughs> and yeah, but in two, did they play? And, and in two it was years, a powerhouse schedule. at Bountiful High School in Utah... He was nine and thirteen. <laughs> How, I I I, I don't understand this career path. He went from a college. The, come on, to another college. How difficult the schedule was. Mino to a high a school schedule. His career was going the wrong way, going from <laughs> from snow to minnow to bountiful high school, and then he becomes an offensive assistant with the Patriots. Like like I I don't know. I I probably I guess I could write this story on Tyler Hughes and figure out where the hell he came from. But like, like, I, like who, when he was leading bountiful high school to a nine and 13 record after he led Mino state to a five and 28 record, like at what point did someone come across Tyler Hughes and say, Bill Belichick, you have to have this guy. He is the future. Ernie Adams. I bet Ernie <laughs> Adams was involved somehow. You know, what sucks is back when the Patriots used to make the Super Bowl every year. These were the stories you could write because you'd be walking around some goofy, you know, sports arena on media yeah. and the assistant coaches would all be standing there and you could be like what was up with mino state like what was, what was that <laughs> how do you even pronounce about? that yeah uh, we're we're butchering it like <laughs> my bad but you could you could write those stories and yeah good ones. i wrote a good one shout out to me pat on my back uh you ever look at a malcolm butler's final collegiate game at west alabama no they won like 82 to 16 or something Jesus. butler played the whole game he had like a pick for a touchdown he had like a punt return for a touchdown and i got to talk to him about it i think before super bowl 51 uh i think it was in houston one but of the ones he played it in? was 
Yes, yes. Wow, when he played in, it was kind of a non-factor, but nevertheless played. It was just fun to hear him talk about. It. He's like, man, I didn't think I'd ever play again. So I told my coach, like, keep me in. I don't care if we're up by sixty. Uh, <laughs> I thought that was kind of interesting because then, obviously, a year later, he's winning the Super Bowl. But those were fun. I remember asking Dante Hightower, like, when you were at Alabama, had you ever even heard of West Alabama? And he was just like, <laughs> no. <laughs> go away <laughs> um but i thought those those are the stories you could write anyway there would be if the patriots this is the real pain for patriots fans they want to see their team mm. in the super bowl yeah but they're not going to get the tyler they, hughes they can't get expose. the tyler hughes story yeah like so nope. what's even the point um all right let's talk about tom brady uh Oop. tom brady lost he he lost Did? in pretty bad fashion to the dallas cowboys huh. I don't think he's done though. I don't know. Like it seemed like he was saying goodbye to the Buccaneers last night. I I thought this was funny. We talk a lot about Twitter on this show. Not a lot. I think we limit it. But last night I was like, hey, the Raiders make a lot of sense for Tom Brady because like I talked to someone during the year about Tom Brady and basically the person was saying like the offense in Tampa Bay just from a personnel standpoint does not fit what Tom Brady typically likes to do in an offense. Like he didn't have the underneath guy who's like Welker, Amendola, Troy Brown, all those guys. Like Chris Godwin was a slot receiver, but he's not really that type of player. Like he had the the big target and Mike Evans, but he also didn't have like that pass catching running back that he likes as well. The Raiders, I don't know if you guys have noticed this, but he's got Hunter Renfro. He would have Hunter Renfro as that Wes Welker type. He'd have Josh Jacobs as that pass catching back. And then he's basically got like two of the big Rob Gronkowski type targets and Devontae Adams and Aaron Waller. Isn't Josh Jacobs done though? Didn't he basically he's probably coming he's back. with that BS? No, I think he's going to be franchised. I think he's back. Oof, um, but then they could also sign Rob Gronkowski. Like if there's anywhere that yeah. Rob Gronkowski would want to play, it would probably be Las Vegas. But then yeah. obviously you get, I, I don't know. It was the, the tweet did numbers. So you had people being like, yeah, but their defense sucks. Like, yeah, but their offensive line sucks. It's like, Okay, and then there was also the argument of like, well, does he really want to play in the AFC West? First of all, the AFC West like sort of sucked this year, so I don't know if that's a big factor. Second of all, like, is there, I'm sorry, is there a perfect team for Tom Brady? Is there a team out there that's got like a great offensive line, a great defense, great weapons, and Mm. plays in an easy division? Like, I I don't know. I, I don't think that team really exists, and I don't know how many teams will even necessarily want Tom Brady next year. So like, Maybe the Raiders aren't perfect. Maybe he goes to the Titans or the Jets or somewhere else. But, like, as far as good scenarios for him, there's not another one with those offensive playmakers plus his former offensive coordinator as head coach. Sorry. Just a, yeah. just a rant. No, it's, it's fair. Sometimes you can't fit all that in a tweet, so I get it. I personally, after this year, I'm kind of like, like I believe Josh McDaniels would be better this time around. Now I'm kind of um, out on that. I don't think Tom Brady is thinking that, though. I think Tom Brady would trust Josh with his life. Yeah. And so it, it makes sense from that angle. And, and you make a good point about the weapons and everything. And obviously, they're moving on from their quarterback. It kind of makes sense. And you mentioned not many teams being interested. I was watching last night. And I know he was kind of playing out the string for this yeah. entire year when yes. the Bucks held him hostage, when he had a fake retirement, go to Europe, <laughs> get Bruce Arians removed, all that crap. It felt like his heart was never in it, and I, I get agree. it, but what if – think about it. It was three years ago, 2020. He's a free agent, and there was you know two or three teams interested in him. He's now three years older, and I know it's not 
cool or chic or anything to doubt Tom Brady and say like he's going to fall apart at some point, but he's going to be 46. And at a certain point, <laughs> now I know people said this when he was 37, when he was 39, when he was 40, 41, 42. I get it. But we're talking 46 now. We're closer to 50 than 40. And at a certain point, it will stop. So I think you're talking really short term with Brady. Yeah. One year. And it's going to be sort of as good of a situation as it can be. But I don't know, man. If he checked out that much on this year, I think there's a chance he might be checked out. Totally. I, there's an element of yeah, climbing, like climbing every mountaintop. Going to Tampa and winning in Tampa, a place that hadn't won a playoff game in 20 years, and just sort of proving that he is the greatest. I don't know. To, to start anew and to try to prove it again, maybe that's sort of a sick fetish that he needs to fulfill. Like, oh, they don't think I can do it at 46. Right. And that wouldn't be totally surprising. But, man, there's a chance. I know no one's saying it because he's still – like, he could still make the throws. And what's funny, not to go into rambling here, but, like, Brady sucked last night. For the most yeah. part, was, he had 125 yards and an interception when they were down 24 nothing. Everything else after that was window dressing. But just physically, to be 45 to finish with three touchdowns, uh, sorry, two touchdowns in 300 yards, 350 yards, and it would have been three touchdowns in 400 yards if Evans catches the ball at the end of the game. And it's like we definitely take it for granted. Oh yeah, the physical things he's doing at 40 effing five to throw like, and, and I'm not making a big deal of it. Like he threw for 350 and two touchdowns. Right. Because it was kind of garbage time, but just physically to be able to do that, uh, we we definitely glance over that. He's been just doing it so long. I think we're all kind of conditioned to be sick of it or something. I also like. I think that there's serious flaws in his game at this point. Like he does not want to be hit ever. Um, I think that there's a factor of him like not really wanting to come off the first read. But I also like this is probably a dumb thing to think, but. I think that there would be like some rejuvenation of him just joining a different team, like having new teammates, not having to play for Byron Leftwich and Todd Bowles. Like, I just think that yes, Todd he was Bowles checked stinks. out. Yes. Woof. Like there's, there's a possibility that he could get checked out just as easily with a new team. But like, I feel like there was some rejuvenation when he joined Tampa and like, maybe that, that like lasts a shorter amount of time now as the stops get shorter and shorter or whatever, as they like progress on and on. But I don't know. I think that like going to Vegas, being with Josh McDaniels, having Devontae Adams, like I think that for at least a year, he would be significantly better next season than he was this year. I still don't think he'd want to get hit, but the fact that like you mentioned, like he can throw for 350 yards and two touchdowns, and he could actually even still he could have the season that he did this year where there was like a three week stinker period for him, but otherwise he was a good quarterback. Like even despite well, just, those flaws in his game, I think that shows that he could keep doing it too. Not even statistics are like he led the league in passes. Right. Which I remember writing when he was with New England, when he was forty ish, he was leading the league in passes through maybe ten weeks, and I was like, This is not good. He's too old. You don't want when it, whoever leads the league in passes is never winning games. And he went ahead and threw, what did he, how many passes did he have last night? 68 or something like that. Yeah, um, He led the league with 700. He's led the league in passes the past two years and completions led the league in yardage last year. I think he was third this year. So yeah, like physically he's an endurance athlete and is going to be able to throw 50 yard bombs until he dies. It seems like, but mm-hmm. yeah. What about the other options? Cause I think Miami is still intriguing. 
Given I was that, I, I want to talk about that. So because, Chris Greer, Chris Greer came out yeah, well, today or yesterday. Happened. Well, no, I, that's what I was gonna say. Like instead, like Tua's our our quarterback, but it's also like, okay, but Tua like didn't play in a playoff game. Like yeah. he he had two diagnosed concussions, probably three concussions overall. Like like one of which led to him lying unconscious on the field and getting ambulanced off. Like you you Serious. cannot trust him to be your quarterback for 17 games plus playoffs next season. And like, that sucks, but it's ultimately the matter at hand for the, for the dolphins next season. So like, I don't know, do you pay a bunch of money for Tua Tagovailoa's backup? Or do you just say like, all right, let's bring in Tom Brady and try to win a Super Bowl? Like I, I it's either way, there's not like a great future plan for the dolphins here. I feel like, like, yeah, yeah if it's Tom Brady, it's probably only a year or two, but if it's Tua, like, is it a year or two? Like, or is it yeah. 10 years? You have absolutely no idea and you need some sort of contingency. And if you don't have a really strong contingency, then you just need to replace him as a starting quarterback. It's a risk. The risk is you go with Tom Brady to a says, I'm out of here, goes on. and Which he probably should career. be. Yeah, right. Does he have that great career? I guess you could weigh the, the percentages of that versus Tom Brady's excelling in an offense with Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle, I, I kind of like your chances if you're the Dolphins going with Brady in that case, even if it's for a year, because you were close. You were, you 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 stood toe to toe with the Bills in the regular season in Buffalo. You stood toe to toe with them in the playoffs with Skylar Thompson as your quarterback. If not for a Jalen Waddle drop in the first quarter, I'm not going to say that changed the game, but it would have certainly impacted the early goings and you competed with them. And I think if you have a quarterback who's been there, done that, imagine, imagine Tom Brady waltzing in a Buffalo in the playoffs and everyone there going, Oh, come on. It right. would just be incredible. And then, so, so I think that's very realistic because I don't know Brady's family situation. I don't know where, but I mean, it's in the same state he's living now. Miami was yeah. apparently, I don't know if that's where Giselle lives. I have no idea. I don't. I don't read the the, the tabloids, but right. it's it's a it's an easy move. It's an easy mm-hmm. life life change. Even if wherever his family may be, he's not moving too far, and he's probably closer to some airports. If that, no, he's probably flying private. Now that I think about that, mm-hmm. probably not going to West Palm. But you get my well, point. Well, there, there's three airports down there, I think. Right? There's yeah. Miami, there's Fort Lauderdale, and there's West Palm. So yeah, you got to go West Palm. It's like walk in, walk out, breeze. Yeah. Yeah, just like if you go to the Bay Area, go to San Jose. Don't go to SFO. Or Miami, Miami Airport is especially terrible. Oof, tough one. Everyone's yeah. been stuck in Miami. Yeah, the worst um, is when you have to go to like Atlanta or somewhere, and you have to go to Miami first, and then back up, and then you're stuck in Miami. I, I just go direct. I, I know that Woo! smaller airports are bougie. Doug are better, but I you can't you won't catch me on a on a on a layover. I, I can't deal with it. Fair enough. Um, Fair enough. What about would you want to do Miami? Sorry. I well, I would also make the point where like Skylar Thompson played pretty well this weekend, mm-hmm. I feel like. Uh he didn't play that well like prior to this weekend, but I do think that there's an element there of you have Jalen Waddle, you have Tyreek Hill, and you have the Mike McDaniel, Kyle Shanahan type offense, where like I think that Tua Tagovailoa was playing above his head this season. And I don't think that it would be that difficult to find a quarterback who might not be able to like perfectly replicate what Tua was doing this season, but like do some sort of facsimile of it 
of once Tom Brady leaves, I like I just don't think it's impossible to find the next Tua, whether it's through the draft, free agency, whatever it is. Like Jimmy Garoppolo's gonna be bouncing around the NFL for the next 10 years. Like there's a chance that once Tom Brady leaves, you just get him back in Miami. Like I think that there's other options in play other than just like, all right, it's Tom Brady for a year, and then who knows what the hell you're gonna do. Like, I think it's possible that you get Tom Brady for a year and then get a quarterback as good as Tua after that. Yeah, I, I have um a fancy stat for you, and it's called Passes where the wide receiver gained 10 to 12 yards of separation and the quarterback threw up a deep ball and the receiver had to slow down, come back, catch it <laughs> against his body and still got a 70-yard reception. And Tua did lead the league in those. Uh, yeah, have it it's tabulated. It's, so yep. you're right about that. It, it is a, a replaceable position. I think the concern is really just, I mean, I think of two other person. Like that I know, it's, it's nightmare sucks. year. Right. Um, if I was his parents, I would say, son, please stop playing football. Like, right. You've proven it. You can do it, but I would like to see you around for the next 70 years. That was yeah. not a good year health-wise. So I don't know how you figure that out. We still don't have the answer on concussions. Um, but I don't know. If you go from a Brady perspective, he would look great in Oakland. Uh, he would look mm-hmm. good in San Francisco. Oakland. I, well, he would, I, I don't know yeah. what he would be doing in Oakland. Well, he could fly there, like I just mentioned, the airport, <laughs> and then go to Las and a connecting flight Are to Are you Las saying Vegas. you should play for the A's? Yeah. <laughs> No, that's too much of a bum franchise for him. But he would look great in the Niners. I think people are going to, people are like, oh, well, they got Purdy now. I'm kind of laughing. Cause I know. If ever there was a case of the coach pulling, like the first half of that game, Brock Purdy was taking the snap. I did a Leroy Jenkins tweet because he was literally just the slightest bit of pressure. He was spinning out of the pocket, running 40 yards backwards, whirling around, and then just chucking it into the stands. Yeah. And it was like, this man needs some coaching. And clearly, Kyle Shanahan got in his head at halftime and said, do what I tell you to right. do and we'll win. Yeah. And he threw for whatever, 400 yards. Um, I don't think Brock Purdy would stop the Niners from getting Brady. I just think the Niners aren't going to do that. I feel like they had their chance. I know. Yeah, like if they do, if they weren't going to do it in 2020, then like why are they going to do it now? Yes. And like it's not and only Brock Purdy. It, right, it's also Trey Lance and like, I don't know, what is Trey Lance going to be your third string quarterback next summer? Right. <laughs> like He has to I, play at some point when they're like, whether he's successful or not, he has to. It's, he was supposed to play this year. It didn't last. Right. He's got to start. You're talking about year three. Yeah. He's started what? Two or three games. Right. And like, I think that having Brock Purdy there gives them that insurance of yeah. what if he sucks or what if he gets injured again? Like, I, I do think to some degree that's kind of all you need. And if neither one of those guys is the answer, then like you're just gonna have to start over and whatever. But yeah, I don't love San Francisco. Like Tennessee, I think is kind of interesting. I but like, I think that's out. If you're Tom Brady, like, why do you want to play yeah. with Traylon Burks and no one else? You know, if, if he went there in 2020, they would have won the Super Bowl. Yeah, I have zero doubts about that. That right. team reminded me so much of the 2001 Patriots: the way they ran the ball, the way they pummeled you on defense, the grit, the rabel factor. If he was there in 2020, they would have won a Super Bowl, and they can regret that forever. They went with Ryan Tannehill, um, who yeah. absolutely was the guy in the shop. The, that mf that mf from Brady that was one million percent Tannehill. Um, but there are three teams in the Northeast that we could round this out with yep. for Tom Brady. But two of them play in New Jersey. Mm-hmm. One of them plays in Foxborough. I... Good defense. Decent decent offensive weapons. Going to be a, a familiar offensive coordinator probably in Bill O'Brien. Are you talking about the Jets of... right now? Nope. A <laughs> lot of Brady sweatshirts would be flying off the shelves. I contend zero people have paid money for a Brady sweatshirt. He's only given them away to rich people. Uh, yeah, I think he fair. comes back. The only market in this 
cold, cold world that will purchase the Brady brand sweatpants is right here in New England, buddy. This could be a business decision. So wrap the... things up, heal wounds, sell t-shirts, sell massages, sell massaging balls, sell electrolyte packages. <laughs> There's a lot of money to be made if you come back and hug everyone that hated you for the past three and years. And you know what? Tom Brady might need some money after, uh, what was uh, it, the FTX? FTX? Uh, so I got an email from the fine folks at uh, betonline.ag. And Tom Brady next team uh, line. Number one is the Raiders, three to one. Number two is the New York Jets, seven to two. Number three, New England Patriots, five to one. And the Dolphins, 49ers, Colts. I still can't imagine them on the Colts. Ravens, Saints, Commanders, Falcons. Titans is 12 to one. And then Texans is 25 to one. So it is kind of fascinating to see the Patriots third. I like, I haven't spent a lot of time thinking about this because I, I do think it's just kind of absurd. I, I don't know. Like, I. Yeah, maybe Robert Kraft gets involved and like calls up Tom Brady, then convinces Bill Bill Belichick that it's a good idea. Like maybe that happens, but if I'm Tom Brady, like the Patriots aren't winning the Super Bowl next year. Like what would have to well, happen this offseason beyond signing Tom Brady for the Patriots to win the Super Bowl? Like I, I don't know. Like they, I'd say this, Doug. I'd say this, Doug. They had a Super Bowl adjacent caliber defense. I think their defense was that good. It could be attached to a good offense, good enough to win a Super Bowl. Now, yeah, what does that take? And 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 I think there are year-to-year turnarounds that are possible. And I think the Jaguars are are a case of that. They were the worst team oh, for in the sure. world last year, yeah. and they won a no, playoff game this year. Um, granted, they probably didn't deserve largely off the playoff game. An improvement from their quarterback, their quarterback, their coaching, yeah. right? Two yeah. two areas you could make big upgrades. Now, now my question to you is the the intriguing part. I think. What's more appealing if you're Tom Brady, the Jets or the Patriots? I think there's a case to be made with Brees Hall, with the. Uh, oh, Garrett. yeah. From a team perspective. Like oh, yeah. Like Garrett there's Wilson, talent down there. And that Elijah defense, Barry you talk Tucker, about a, a Super Bowl adjacent Sauce Gardner, defense. Right. That defense was good. Now, granted, do they know how to win? Does Robert Sala know how to win? I have my questions, but who teaches people to win better than old Tom Brady? Imagine him with the Jets. Coming in here and being the Patriots, it's it's do you think unfathomable? They, like if I do, you kind of feel like if Bill Bell and if Tom Brady really wanted to like stick it to the Patriots, yeah, you go to the Jets and you like you bring Bill O'Brien as your offensive coordinator too, right? Like no, oh, there's no better that. way to stick it to the Patriots than to wow. not only go to the Jets but also steal Bill O'Brien. Um, well, so, so but Doug, but I also no, don't like they can't tamper. I, Sorry, they can't tamper right now. So oh yeah, no, definitely not. Um, but I think Tom Brady could probably legally say to Bill O'Brien, like, I want to sign with the Jets. <laughs> probably. Go to the Jets. Um, probably. But, like, like, is there any reason for Tom Brady to have any animosity towards the Patriots? I guess, like, the fact that they wouldn't offer him the, the – I, I don't know. I just, like – Yeah. I mean, it ended sour. It didn't end disgusting. Right. I think there's there's always been a respect. Even as their relationship was crumbling and the offers weren't coming, they still – Holding, like I think of their NFL 100 round table, right. where they just talk about how much. On a football level, they still respect each other. On a personal level, maybe there's some challenges, but they worked through it for five years at the end, however long it was. Yeah, that things do change, and maybe it's not going to happen. We've probably spent too much time on it, but just in, just imagine the day that it could happen. Whenever in the middle of March, and it hits NFL Network, Ian Rappaport 
Tom Brady returning the Patriots, the buzz and the electricity and, and the, the energy it would bring. I mean, poor Mac, I guess, but people would move on. It's just the, the, the tragic twist would be he's done and he stinks. Right. And yeah. then the Patriots got it wrong twice in letting him go and then bringing him back. And then oh, the, poorly the, timed. Then on Monday Night Football, you get the Bailey Zappi chance again. But this time, it's Tom Brady sadly standing on the sideline. Uh, really, really, really quickly, Lamar Jackson has the best yes. odds <laughs> to go to the Patriots if he's not playing with the Ravens next year. Uh, you wrote about this. Yeah. Uh, I, I I don't understand this premise really at all. I know no. that you don't really either. For uh, I don't think it's out of the question that Lamar Jackson is not on the Ravens next year. But, like... People look at that and say, like, oh, well, if they franchise tag him, then all it would take is, like, uh, two first-round picks. The, the Ravens aren't going to give up Lamar Jackson for two first-round picks. Like, that that's that's not even worth thinking about. They're yeah. going to exclusive franchise tag him, and then if he's not going to be with the Ravens next year, they are going to trade him for more than two first-round yeah. picks. Like, that's well, not the Wilson package got, for Lamar Jackson. Russell Wilson got two firsts, a second, a fourth, and three right. players, Yeah, I think. What was Deshaun Watson? It was... Three? I don't remember. Uh, it was, like, like the going rate for Lamar Jackson is not two first-round picks. That's absurd. Right. Yeah. Right. No, and even if it were just two first-round picks, and, and I went piece by piece on the different franchise tags, but even if it were just two first-round picks, the Patriots are already excluded from the case. Right. And not only would it be two, two first-round picks, but it would be $40 million a year for the next five to seven years. It also would exclude the Patriots from – from contention unless the odds makers know that bill belichick is going to be 71 and is throwing his long-term planning out and is going to just overload and screw the team for the cap for when he leaves i don't think that's going to happen i I don't think you can change your ways no matter what so it's just an odd thing like from a football perspective yeah like you'd take lamar jackson on the patriots obviously but it's not quite that simple especially when you have a quarterback on his rookie deal, max cap hit is like $4 million next year. Yeah. I don't think you want to jump it to 34, 44 no. and completely bungle everything you've got going. So strange, a strange thing. I don't, I don't know. They're just betting odds, but strange. Yeah. It was still weird. Um, uh, real, really quick. I watched Harry Potter 4. I thought it was good. Oh, uh, that's a, that's a dark one. Things, th- yeah. things get real. Yeah. Things get real in, uh, number four, Cedric Diggory. Yep. Sadly, R.I.P. Spoiler alert. Spoiler yeah, alert. I just did. Did not make Listen, it out of the Triwizard Games Cup. I'm the last human being on Earth watching these Harry Potter movies. I don't think that I'm spoiling yeah. anything for anyone. Um, but yeah, it was good. Um, I, yeah. It's a lot. It, yeah. It's a lot. It gets uh, good. What's five? Order of the Phoenix? It only gets better, Doug. Uh, my five-year-old did not watch number four with me. I'm, I'm pausing. I, I probably shouldn't have even let her watch two and three, but yes. I did anyway because I'm a bad parent. Uh, but no, she's not going to be watching PG-13 movies. I think the first PG-13 movie that she'll probably watch is like Jurassic Park at some point in her life. But that was, I think, yet. my first PG-13 movie. I remember oh. a debate among my parents and I got to go. And I think there was like one swear, but the rest was just being scared of dinosaurs, I'm pretty sure. I For some reason, like I had good parents, but mm. we would watch like like Chucky movies on TV when I was mm. like, like young. It was a different time. It was a different time. <laughs> My and daughter. I guess, I guess they are on TV, but like, uh, yeah, I, I, I just, yeah. My daughter if, would not be okay with that. Yeah, no, neither would my any of neither of my children. But my daughter is eight and has seen 
all the Star Wars movies, except I won't let her see Rogue One, just because I feel like. Did we already go over this? Maybe I don't think it's so. dark. It's, it is. It's dark, a yeah. lot. It's a lot. Well, you know, the entire premise of the movie, yeah, is very dark. And like, spoiler alert. Do we do spoiler? Spoiler alert. Close your ears. If you haven't seen it. Everyone dies. And <laughs> like, usually when kids watch movies, that doesn't happen, especially Star Wars movies. Right. So, um, we're gonna hold off. I think like twelve for that one. But she's yeah. seen the other ones. She's enjoyed them. Yeah, that that's um, kind of the way that we get Olivia through movies sometimes. Because I took her to Lightyear mm-hmm. at the movie theater. Not a great movie, but like she was just very worried about the cat in that movie the whole time. And I, I was basically mm. just like, Olivia, this is a movie, and this is a cute cat. They're not going to do anything with the cat. Like, the cat's not going to die. He's going to be Pixar okay. with a heel turn, just <laughs> killing cats. Um, but yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I wish I had more to offer on, on Harry Potter. I, I did have to watch in two installments. I fell asleep uh, halfway through it the first time it's because long. I'm, I'm just a tired guy, too. I'm a dad. I've got a lot going on in my life. I'm just yeah. a tired guy sometimes. I actually oh, you want the oh go ahead. I fell asleep for a little bit of the Bengals Ravens game too. I'm not gonna lie, I was tired. Um, that game was tough. That game yeah. was tough. I think that's the other takeaway. If we want to add a Patriots thought to put a bow on it, outside of the Chiefs, everyone was beatable in the AFC in the playoffs. So I was yeah. wrong. I came in last week. I came in hot saying, "I get it, Doug. The the Miami game. What a waste of time." Well, right. not really. It wasn't a waste yeah. of time. Miami had a chance to win the game. If they had a real quarterback, they probably would have. So I think every team, I mean, the Jaguars were certainly beatable. Uh, the, the Bengals needed a 98-yard touchdown on a fumble return after, after the Baltimore Ravens asked their backup quarterback to leap over the line from under center from the two-yard line. The dumbest play I've ever – I mean, not the dumbest play I've ever seen called. I've seen, I've seen, um, it wasn't called, but there was a double lateral play this year. So it wasn't nece- necessarily <laughs> the dumbest decision I've seen made, but you get the point. Yeah. Um, there, all those, there was no clear cut powerhouse in the AFC. I still think the no. Chiefs are that team. I do too. But will they be next year? Do you know what's so the I wild think thing? Urgency. About, the wild thing about the Chiefs is that, like, no one is injured on the Chiefs. They've dealt with basically zero injuries all season. Like there's a chart out there of like which team has lost the most games to injuries. And it's like everyone else is like on this side of the chart. And then the Chiefs are like all alone up here, like with no injuries whatsoever. I have a question. I have a question. Why did the Titans request Eric Bieniemy for an offensive coordinator job when he's the offensive coordinator of another team? I think that people think that since – I mean, I think it would kind of it might benefit him to leave. Uh, okay, I, like, but that's such a bizarre. It is. It is. I mean, I guess it doesn't hurt to ask, but because like Kafka is already like a head coaching candidate for what he's done in New York, and he went from Chiefs quarterbacks coach to Giants offensive coordinator. Like, I feel like unfortunately, like he's probably going to get a head coaching job before Eric Bieniemy. So I think that at some point leaving helps in that regard i, I don't know. know just yeah hey would it you like strange. to be the patriots should request <laughs> i don't know any quarterback they want to be their quarterback see what happens let's see let's see what happens all right well i think that'll do it for today's episode of pat's chat oh, oh i got your uh, deshaun watson trade oh trade. yeah that was um oh, i lost again three, three? first round picks yeah uh, a third round pick and two fourth round picks <laughs> just a ton of picks yeah, so 
you know, Lamar Jackson for two first round picks. I, I think it, I, I don't know. I had that epiphany this, this week of being like, why are we talking about that? Like why? Yeah. It would be exclusive. We, it would what be are we a doing deal. They're not getting traded for two first round picks. And there'd have insane. to be contract agreement figured out. Right. It's, it's going to oh, be messy. If he gets, if and, he gets traded, he's 1000% getting a guaranteed contract just like Deshaun yeah, Watson did. And who's his agent? himself it's going to be challenging it's going to be challenging and and i don't see the patriots in that at all despite the odds saying otherwise all right well if you're listening at this point rate review do all that subscribe do all that cool stuff um we'll be back probably later this week um why not i don't have anything better to do uh, we'll leave soon, a, leave but, your favorite Harry Potter movie in the review. Yeah. Yep. And I and if we spoil don't spoil anything. If we if no. we spoiled Harry Potter four for you, <laughs> then say give us a five star review, but say these guys are kind of jerks because they yeah. spoiled Harry Potter for me. Eighteen years after it came out. Yeah. Bad. Yeah. Um. All right. We'll talk to you guys later. Bye. Bye.